0: Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Soul. Ooh, they burn it down. Save Before they burn it down. Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Step Fast and Loyal Podcast. You know, I just spent uh, a few days up there in Washington, D.C., three days. Uh, I, I did fumigate myself uh, before I got on the airplane to come back here to Texas, and I didn't drink any Potomac water. So I think I'm, I'm pretty good. No you know, antibodies are needed to get any type of D.C. virus out of me. But the swamp is still very pervasive. And what I want to share with you all right now is the reason why I went up to Washington, D.C. It was to discuss a thing called the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA. And having been a former member of Congress and has sat on the House Armed Services Committee, very uh, well uh, you know, accustomed and, and understanding of the NDAA process. It happens every year. Because, you know, the Congress is supposed to pass 12 appropriations bills every budget cycle, which means every year. And that's really the only thing that they are supposed to do, that they are constitutionally mandated to do, is to pass these 12 appropriations bills to fund the government. That has to happen by the 30th of September, the end of the fiscal year. And so what happens when it comes to our defense is that, first and foremost, the Armed Services Committee hears from the Secretary of Defense, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, all the different service chiefs and service secretaries. And then the subcommittees also hear from, you know, the representatives of the respective services and their personnel, uh, special operations, uh, nuclear, I mean, the whole kit and caboodle. Because what the NDAA is is an authorization document. What the NDAA does is it authorizes the missions the capabilities, the capacities, the things that the military is supposed to be focused on and therefore appropriated for, which means money is put against these authorizations for the upcoming year now as we know when congress has this failure to do their constitutionally mandated duty which is to produce a budget and it ends up being this you know fiscal gumbo soup of you know an omnibus spending bill or they come around and do what is called a continuing resolution which means that they continue to fund at the previous budget cycle years amounts But we want to see them get this right. We want to see them finally get those 12 appropriations bills passed. And it's so important that we get the authorization documents done. And this is supposed to happen with every single uh, federal executive branch agency that falls under the jurisdiction, of course, of the legislative branch, and especially the House of Representatives. Because in all matters of revenue or fiscal matters, they supposed to initiate uh, or emanate from and get final approval and passage in the House of Representatives. They are the keeper of the purse strings. And so going up there and looking at where we are in our military— The most important thing that this National Defense Authorization Act, which will be in effect for 2024, I want you to understand that. We're already operating on 2023's NDAA, which is part of an omnibus spending bill, that big monstrosity from last December. What we've got to do is understand that our military is suffering. You all know about the recruiting and retention levels. Right now, we're at the 50th year anniversary of the all-volunteer force. And so many people thought initially, what? We're going to go to an all-volunteer military? That's never going to be successful. We're going to have to go back right into a draft. Way wrong answer. It has been successful. It has been able to, to recruit, to train, deploy, fight, and win. But the problem is we don't have a focus on those core competencies. The focus right now is on the ideological agenda of the left. And sadly, taxpayer funds are going to the ideological agenda of the left in the United States military. See, this didn't just happen overnight. This is something that goes back to the Obama administration. The left has always wanted to undermine what they felt was the last bastion. Of honor, integrity, character, conservatism, morals, values, all those things that they hate. That's the United States military. All this stuff about be all you can be and meritocracy and that, they they don't like that. And so cultural Marxism has crept into the United States military and US taxpayers are paying for it. So that's why we have an opportunity right now, and that's why the call to action is for every single one of you is to call your member of the United States House of Representatives and senators, especially Republicans, and tell them that this is what you want to see happen in this National Defense Authorization Act. Number one, there should be no funding of these cultural Marxist programs called diversity, equity, and inclusion, because the United States military is supposed to be about meritocracy. You know, when I was a second lieutenant, I knew what it took to make first lieutenant. I knew what it would take to make captain, to make major, to make lieutenant colonel, all of this. But now everything is going back to, well, it's about the outcomes. It's about having X percentage of this. Or we're even telling people that have a different skin pigmentation that you're bad. You know, uh, you know, how can you have a military where the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff stands up and says, well, I want to know about white rage. What about black rage? What about Hispanic rage? What about Asian rage? Are, are the only people that, that have rage in the United States of America white people? That's insidious. But when you allow a person like Ibram X. Kendi and his whole critical race theory that, you know, the book that he wrote, when you allow him open access to the United States Department of Defense to the Pentagon. When you have his book on a reading list for young officers, you know, the the reading list that I had, it was like Sun Tzu, the Art of War, Clausewitz on War, Jeomani, uh, let me see, what was the, the the other one that we had? Oh, uh, you know, studies of ancient military history, things of that nature. You know, that's what you, you should be reading. Not Ibram X. Kendi. You know, Students at our military academy should not be writing papers talking about what have I done to attribute to white supremacy. Well, what about the black, Asian, Hispanic students? Are they supposed to write a paper on that? Or when you have this whole push about proper pronouns where the United States Air Force Academy is saying that, you know, cadets there don't refer to parents as mom and dad. What does that have to do with military readiness and capability and capacity? And at this time, our recruitment and retention. So we don't need to be funding these things at our service academies. And a great thing about the recent decision about affirmative action that came down from the Supreme Court, it did not exempt the service academies. So now would be a great time to ensure in the National Defense Authorization Act that all of these new political commissars that we have placed into the military, these DEI offices, they're defunded. Why should we be giving people $200,000, $300,000 to talk about cultural Marxism and to talk about how they can undermine the cohesion of our military? When we got soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines on food stamps, that to me is insidious. So that's the first thing that we want to do. We want to defund all of these programs because this just popped up in the last couple of years. This has never been around. If you want to talk about an institution that has always been about diversity, it is the United States military. The United States military has always been a front runner on this thing. The United States military was integrated back in, what, 1947, 48, with the Truman's executive order. And even before then, I mean, the first blacks in uniform, that goes back to the 54th Massachusetts Regiment that fought in the Civil War. And oh, by the way, it was the cancer culture leftists who defaced the monument of the first all-black military unit in the United States Army, the 54th Massachusetts Regiment in Boston, Massachusetts. (laughs) Who are the real racists? And so that's the first thing that we need to make sure is included that we are defunding. The other thing we need to do is forget all this gender dysphoria stuff. I did a, you know, a little monologue about this previously, but taxpayer money should not be going to people that have a mental condition. You're overweight, you can't join the military. Flat feet, you can't join the military. Asthma, you can't join the military. Now, all of a sudden, we're saying that, you know, people with a mental condition should be in the military and we should be promoting and advancing that idea. No, of course not. I mean, people that have suicide ideations or suicide tendencies, you don't get to come into the military. But yet, now, all of a sudden, we're saying that that's perfectly fine with us. As a matter of fact, you know, I was absolutely incensed, absolutely imp- appalled when they showed the, 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 the picture of this, uh, Major Rachel Jacobs, except that's Rick. That's Rick Jacobs, whatever his name is. But this overweight, hideous Army officer holding up pride flags. Look, no ideological agendas in the military. Now, I remember when the, one of the founding members of Delta Force, someone that I know very well, Lieutenant General Retired Jerry Boykin. I mean, the man can still choke you out, he looks like. But Jerry Boykin was pretty much so drummed out of the military. Lieutenant General, Deputy Chief of Staff of Intelligence, because he talked about his faith. He talked about how our Judeo-Christian God was stronger and mightier than that which the Islamic Jihadists served. And they kicked him out of the military. But yet, we're gonna let this be in the military, and we're supposed to be, you know, proud of that? No, we should not be making ideological statements in the United States military. And the further thing, I want you to read this title, Army Exempts Trans Service Members from Physical Fitness Standards. Now, how are you supposed to have a capable and ready military if you're telling certain people in the military they're exempt from physical fitness standards? I mean, I'm sure I could out-PT major rick here but where is the thing let me find this uh right here where it says unit fitness program managers i, I don't even know why you got to have unit fitness program managers when, when i was in the military the platoon sergeant was the unit fitness program manager the first sergeant the sergeant major okay they made sure that the troops were out there fit okay unit fitness program managers will document the exemption In the fitness using the commander's composite exemption, initial F.A. exemptions, fitness exemptions will be for a period of six months to receive a new exemption. The service member will provide the previously approved F.A. exemption memo and updated medical documentation showing proof of continued cross sex hormone treatment to their Unit, current unit commander, who may approve or deny any additional six-month period exemptions. Cross-sex hormone therapy treatments. And then you don't have to do PT. You don't have to have physical standards. You can look like Fat Boy here. Major Rick Jacobs. I mean, this is what we are funding in the military. That's got to stop. That's got to come out of NDAA. And even worse, you have folks in the military saying that now they're going to provide child gender mutilation surgeries, puberty blockers, and hormonal therapies to dependent children in the military, even without the consent of the service member. Drag queen recruiters, all this other you know craziness. No. We ain't funding that stuff. That's got to stop. You know, a lot of people are concerned about right now what Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama is doing, hold, quote-unquote, holding up promotions for general officers. He's absolutely right to do so. You know why? Because to try to get around the Dobbs decision that was made last year in the Supreme Court, the military by way of General Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, sent out a memo saying that a soldier, sailor, airman, Marine that wants to murder an unborn baby in the womb, that they will be compensated for that. If they are in a state like Texas that you know has restrictions on murdering unborn babies, the military will compensate them for them traveling outside the state, give them put, allow them to take leave and compensate them for their travel expenses to go to another state to murder a child in the womb. Now let me see, hmm, when I was a commander, we were supposed to take care of families. But right now this administration, number one, it puts traditional nuclear families on food stamps. And now it's saying that instead of taking care of families, we're gonna murder families. You know, if you're a soldier, sailor, airman, Marine, you should want to maybe have a child, little boy, a little girl. And maybe they will follow in your footsteps to be a soldier, sailor, airman, Marines. Because after all, that's what happened in my case. My dad was a World War II veteran. My older brother was a Vietnam War veteran. Here I am. And my nephew, my older brother's son, he's serving. That's how it happens. But let me tell you something that's very interesting, because this whole thing about what Lloyd Austin did by memo is against the law. The United States taxpayer is funding for a person to murder an unborn child in the womb, funding abortions. That's against the Hyde Amendment. And Tommy Tuberville, the senator, made it very clear to Lloyd Austin, if he signed that memo and put it out there, he would take the action that he took. And he's absolutely right. What Lloyd Austin has done with this abortion thing is unconstitutional. He does not have the right to do that. He does not have the right to appropriate your taxpayer dollars for something such as this. That's a leftist ideological agenda, to murder unborn babies in the womb, to destroy families. But What's even more insidious is this. If a soldier, sailor, airman, Marine is on the battlefield, kills the enemy, Al-Qaeda, Taliban, you name it, ISIS. And that soldier, sailor, airman, Marine goes up and dismembers the body of that enemy. They're going to Fort Leavenworth. But what we have now, unconstitutionally, in violation of the Hyde Amendment, by memo of the Secretary of Defense, Just the same as the memo he wrote that female soldier, sailors, airmen, marines have to be prepared to have biological males like Major Rick here, fat boy, in their shower and latrine facilities or head facilities if you're in the maritime services. This is crazy. Oh, and I forgot to include the Space Force. You know, when I was in D.C., I finally learned what you call the people in the Space Force. You call them guardians, like guardians of the galaxy, I guess. But the thing is that what Senator Tuberville is doing is absolutely right. And we need to have the national defense authorization saying that we are not going to be funding this. You cannot do this. And yes, hold up these promotions. We don't need more ideological generals. They're just going to go along and get along. Because what is happening downstream is the loss of our readiness in our military. Young men and young women don't wanna join this military. 50 years of the all-volunteer force, and now we can't make mission. Not even close to making mission. The whole purpose of this National Defense Authorization Act should be getting us back to military core competencies, capacities, and capabilities. When the Chief of Naval Operations says in a testimony hearing that they don't have, the Navy does not have enough amphibious assault craft for the Marine Corps. What's the number one mission for the United States Marine Corps? Amphibious assaults. And oh, by the way, what's China doing? Building all of these doggone little islands and fortifying them in the South China Sea. Blocking one of the major routes of the sea lanes of commerce. And we don't have enough amphibious assault craft to get our marines onto the battlefield. But yet we got Major Fat Boy Rick here talking about you know I'm you know I had suicide tendencies, but now I feel good because I don't have to take you know physical fitness tests and I don't have to have any fitness standards. We got Ibram X. Kendi running around all through the department of Defense, and people saying that he needs, they need to read his book instead of Sun Tzu or of war instead of, you know, even reading what I had to read. Erwin Rommel's book about being an infantry platoon leader and an infantry company commander in world war one called attacks. And I know some people gonna say, why were you reading the Nazis? book." well, you know, you can learn from your enemy. That's one of the things Sun Tzu said. But no, we 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 got all this other nonsense out there. And the other thing that I was up there in, in D.C. about, you know, when you talk about ideological agendas and everything, we got to stop with these ideological called generals. Now there is a general, an Air Force general, a four-star, Charles C.Q. Brown. He just happens to be a graduate of Texas Tech. Are you, who, you know, Red Raiders out there, guns up? Interesting article in the Real Clear Defense. General Charles Q. Brown, too many red flags. Now, what everyone on the left is talking about, well, you know, for the first time in the history of the United States of America, we're going to have a black secretary of defense, and we can have a black chairman, the joint Chiefs of staff. I could give a rat's you-know-what. If the Senate confirms General Charles Q. Brown to be the next chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, you're basically saying that Al Sharpton in a military uniform is acceptable. Here is a general who is right now the chair, the uh, the chief of staff of the United States Air Force, who has come out and said that he only wants to have forty six percent white male aviators. What? Yeah, uh, I'll, he, 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 you know. He's a combat aviator, and he's saying that I only want 46%. At a time when the Air Force has a shortage of not just officers, but combat pilots, pilots, period. And this chucklehead is talking about he wants to restrict the number of white male aviators. Go back and look at some of the comments that he made after the the George Floyd incident. We don't need politicized ideological generals that are talking about how we need to be focused on DEI, how we need to be focused on correcting racism by implementing more racism. Or as a matter of fact, you know, getting beyond that, General Charles Q. Brown, as the Chief of Staff of the United States Air Force, F-35 Lightning II aircraft, 60% readiness rate. First time in I don't know how long, B-1 bombers. Grounded. Now you say, what's the big deal about the B1 bomber, Colonel? That's part of our nuclear triad. And part of our nuclear triad was grounded under the watch of this general who, you know, speaks more so about everything that has to do with cultural Marxism than about the military readiness. And capability. Let me give you a great example from this article. General Charles Q. Brown, too many red flags. General Brown represents DEI in euphemistic terms that are palatable to the public and allude to fairness and equal opportunity. But DEI has deep Marxist roots based on critical theories where merit is minimized, and power structures are based on identity, oppression, and racism. It is a stealth weapon devised by academics that breeds conformity of thought, marginalizes members of organizations solely due to superficial characteristics, and engenders favoritism. The Air Force faces a 2000 pilot deficit. But General Brown's priority is not focused on this crucial concern, but rather the racial and sexual distribution of the pilots that he commands general brown has not resisted the temptation to opine boldly in public about controversial public issues the public's trust in the military has been trending downward for the past 20 years and is approaching historic lows high-ranking officers have become openly political eschewed impartiality Quibbled or openly lied to the public, why would members of the military, whose members represent generations of men and women, whose reputations are based on honesty, trust, and integrity, emulate the ethos of the members of Congress, whom only 9% of Americans rate very high or high in these characteristics trace? The choice to install General Brown as the next chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff is overtly political. I mean, I don't don't understand why anyone would just rubber stamp this nomination. I don't care about the skin color. I care about the character. I care about leadership. I care about getting our military back on track and where it needs to be. And this general, Charles Q. Brown, is not going to get us there. So here's your action item. Contact your members. And the Senate Armed Services Committee, especially Republican members, say, don't support this nominee. You know, they just recently had a a confirmation hearing. You should watch that confirmation hearing. You should watch the line of questioning from the Missouri Senator, Eric Schmidt, former attorney general of Missouri, where he basically asked this general, you'd be willing to get rid of some 5,400 officers just because of their skin color? Or Senator Mike Rounds, I believe, from North Dakota, who asked the general about, you know, one of his constituents writing him a letter about how she has been told that she has to have biological males coming into her latrine facilities. Is that something that General Brown supports? He obfuscated on the question. We don't need another rubber stamp DEI leftist propagandist general, an ideologue? Or how about making sure in the national defense authorization, how about making sure the next nominee for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staffs restores those thousands of service members who were booted out because they did not want to take that COVID shot? Which now we know it, it, it didn't stop anything, it didn't do anything. It caused more harm than danger. Why don't we make sure we get all the statistics that show the harmful effects of that COVID shot on our members of of the military, the myocarditis and all the other effects that it had. See, that's what the National Defense Authorization can do, get our military away from being politicized, from being an ideological tool of the left, to stop allowing these ideological generals to, to be elevated into these positions where we can't even have success on a battlefield like Afghanistan. So there's your call to action, people. Read up about what this National Defense Authorization Act is. I I, I wrote a little bit of an analysis of it. It's on the Substack page. But this picture should incense every American that's focused on our national security. Because this picture... It's been seen in China. It's been seen in Russia, Iran, North Korea, and Islamic jihadists. Because they're saying that fat boy Rick here, that's what the United States is putting in uniform. And studly young men and young women are being kicked out. And we can't make our recruiting and retention goals. And less than 30% of our young people here in the United States of America can even qualify to get into the United States military. Because, of course, the left, many of them, especially black, can't do math and read at grade level and how they're going to be effective members of our United States military and to support and defend our Constitution. But they can't even read the Constitution. This is a critical time. in the evolution of the United States of America as the longest-running constitutional republic that the world has ever known. And one of the most critical points is that we've got to restore our military. It has been the target of the progressive socialist left But the good thing is that evil always overplays its hand. But it's up to you to make the phone calls and put the pressure on people to say to get it right in the National Defense Authorization Act and stop allowing ideological generals to lead our young men and young women into the descent that our military is in. Steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down